On today's episode, Paul Fahrenheit joins us uh, to discuss the American Revolution. As things go with Paul, he has a mind where you have no idea where a topic is going to go. And anybody that knows me knows I will let a topic go where it goes, and I do not try to control anything. So I think it is a very interesting episode, and I hope you guys enjoy it. It is a little short, unfortunately, because Paul had some prior obligations, but there is quite a bit of content packed into an hour. On another note, I have been working with Derek, friend of the show, who did the intro music for Slurp Gang. Uh, he has done most of the heavy lifting here. He put together an intro for the show. Uh, Grant from Contra Gentiles put together the bass line, and I did a little bit of guitar at the end. So that is now complete, and I'm very happy to finally have a song for the show. So thank you so much to them, and I hope you guys enjoy. Give me your hand. It's red earth. It's in our skin. Shauna say the color comes from all the blood that's been spilled fighting over the land. This is home. We are we are live. So welcome to the show. Uh, Saul Celsius, as his Jewish name is, or uh, as y'all normally know him, Paul Fahrenheit from Twitter.com. Uh, welcome to the show, Paul. I'm uh, very happy to finally have you. Sorry about all the delays in getting you, but I was on a bit of a podcasting vacation for almost two months. So... No, oh, that's perfectly fine, Jay. Thank you for having me on. Um, and I will tell you to this day that I think your uh, your Twitter handle, your at, is probably the best Twitter handle that exists in the entirety of right wing Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I am so glad I was able to get that, man. It is. I'm a little pissed that there's been somebody who's a music producer from like the early 2010s with five followers that's been holding onto the one with no underscores for the last couple of years. He hasn't used it since like 2013. But, you know. I got it with the underscores. It works. It makes for a fine Substack uh, title also, which I probably should write on that more, but I'm lazy. Uh, as you know how writers are as a yeah. writer to writer. It's, yeah. it's a very hard work, so we tend to not do it much. It's not even that hard. It's like it's like it's, it's like somewhat really it's somewhat mentally taxing. Right writers writers try not to be the laziest motherfuckers <laughs> on earth challenge. Impossible. It's called, you know, you sit down at 8 p.m., you have an idea, you look at the blank Word document, and you go, eh, you know, another day, Twitter's calling. Or or I'll just type out a page and a half, and I'll be like, okay, I'll come back to this later, and I never do. <laughs> that's, a, that's a screenplay I've had going for about two years now. I typed 10 pages, and haven't touched it. Just have not yeah. touched it. Thought about it, I've looked at it, and I've gone, another day another day and it never comes i've been i've been told that like having like a physical typewriter to type stuff out um is actually really good for for just getting getting out transcripts just um uh, just just so you can have something physical that you can hold on to because like if it's physically there that paper physically takes up space and you're reminded of its existence every day like like my my word documents and my um uh the dark corners of my computer filled with my, um, uh, with my evil thoughts, uh, put down on the paper. Um, those I do not remember exist until I stumble across them. And at that point I, there's nothing to add. So I don't know, maybe, maybe there's, maybe there's, there's techniques to not being lazy and there's probably books people have written about not being lazy. So advice. Oh, there are several, but that typewriter method would never work with me. Uh, I am notoriously fucking messy. I am the definition of a type B personality. I am if I type something on a typewriter, I'm never finding it again until maybe like three years later. And I'll look at the idea and go, wow, this was shit. That's the <laughs> other part of being a writer. A lot of the self-loathing. You look at something that you feel good about in the moment, and you're afraid to look at it again because you know you're gonna hate it tomorrow. Well, that that might be that might be how some are, but uh I, I would say I am uh I'm probably the opposite. I'm a fucking narcissist. <laughs> Yeah, it might be a tribe thing, you know. It's, it's, uh, it's I, I guess I guess with writers, they're either narcissists or they're um uh, or they're 
beyond self-loathing and there's really no in between. Yeah, I've always liked the title of a uh, Byronic Asshole for myself. I think that really encapsulates asshole. it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really encapsulates it. You know, you have a bit of an ego, but you also you shit on yourself. You're sort of he's sort of a piece of crap. Uh, <laughs> so I guess I'll turn that into po- Byronic Podcasting. Uh, that's, Byron- that's the way forward. Lord Byron made his way across Europe fucking everything that moved, so, you know. And that's not, that's not a, that's not a, that's, like, what? With a club foot. With a club foot? Yeah, well, that's true, but it's like, I remember this story, I think, I don't know if Bap told this story once, but uh, there was a story of, like, a young man, Schopenhauer, was with this woman in this Italian party, and Byron was there, and um, uh, this woman was so obsessed with Byron that he wouldn't, he wouldn't even bother to go up, because Schopenhauer is always a bit of a coper (laughs) slash seether. Um, Yeah. You could say his entire uh, ideology slash philosophy is coping and seething, um, as is most many such cases. But he wouldn't even go up and introduce himself to Byron because <laughs> he was so incensed over this woman. Beta. Beta fucking beta. Sigma, dog. Sigma. He saw, he saw it as, um, uh, as, as, uh, as, as an, a personal insult to him, and so he would not, he would not bother doing it. Anyway, yeah, but you know that, that that and that's why he didn't get laid that night. He didn't go and insert himself over Byron. I don't you know. know if you got to go ever and got take your competition. I don't know if he ever got laid. Like, you know, God Nietzsche a, only got burden. laid once and died. I don't. I, he didn't die of syphilis. I don't think that was it. He had a. He, he had, had a uh, genetic heart disease. condition. Yeah. yeah, he had he had a he had a familial heart condition. I think that that killed him. It wasn't uh, it wasn't syphilis because that is a modern uh, that is a modern uh, conception meant to purposely meant to purposely <laughs> make you make you avoid Nietzsche because you know the the modern world will make any weapons and use any weapons to to have you avoid um, to have you avoid the what's the right word the, the things that they don't want you to read basically and nietzsche is among those which is weird. I, you know i'm not a nietzsche respecter like i don't care much for the philosophy itself like i don't know i think personally camus did it a little bit better where it doesn't get caught up by edgy teenagers that completely misread what you're writing because yeah the pop culture nietzsche is not the actual nietzsche but I still don't just care much for his ideology itself. It's it's eh. It is what it is. Well, Nietzsche Nietzsche at his most you know, and we could probably leave it on this, but Nietzsche at his most yep. authentic, at least the, the the best way it's been presented, is is vis a vis the uh, filter of BAP. That's probably the best way to understand how Nietzsche um how Nietzsche actually is once you take out the fucking modern modern all the shit surrounding him and the translations and all of that, but I digress. For for better or for worse, whether you agree with Bap or you don't, that's 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 how you understand Nietzsche, I yeah. think. But Bap never wrote a book called The Gay Science, so <laughs> you know, plus one for Nietzsche. That's such a stupid fucking title. You see, they changed it though recently. The translations to the uh, the Happy Science. Well, that's how he meant it. That, that this is back. No, but back in the day, this is back in the yeah, day but, before. Man, you can't change it now. Like it's come on. Everyone knows it's the fucking Gay Science. You can't change it now. Well, you know, certain ethnicities of people will uh, will play on certain translations of words to ensure that. Anyway, <laughs> I certainly have no idea who you're referring to. I would oh, never no, know not. about a small group of, you know, and little power player religion that controls the media, the porn industry, the banks. Uh, I have a buddy of mine who's a um, the uh, Irish, of course. Who's who's another who's another uh, self hating Jew like yourself, um, and how he uh, he referred to himself as. Uh, one of the ones who went native. <laughs> Mel Brooks? Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's a good guy. Um, and uh, Occasionally and, yeah, meet one of the good ones. It's, it's very yeah. rare. There's a yeah, reason I left. You remind me of him somewhat. But, um, but yeah, man, it I is, mean... Um, it is an archetype. Oh, it is, yeah. Mm. But you, uh, you, but, you, you brought me yeah. on, I think, or at least one of the yes. one of the big reasons you brought me on was to uh, was to discuss one of the one of our mutual favorite topics, I guess, would be the uh, the American Revolution. Yes, exactly. So, uh, thank you for leading. I was in the middle of a glass of whiskey. Uh, it's very hard to podcast, not drink. But so I think <laughs> you know we both have an admiration for the American Revolution, probably for 
different reasons. I mean, I do love America, but not as much as you. Uh, you are probably one of the people I've met with the biggest hard on for this country. So that is really an amazing feat. Uh, I have a very big appreciation for the American Revolution because I think it is just a very unique event. I've, for the last year or two, been almost obsessed with the idea of why most revolutions seem to fail. And the American Revolution stands as this one that even though, you know, the country is sort of in hell in a handbasket right now, it's still, we're sitting at 250 years almost after the revolution started. Uh, it's the most powerful country in the world still, even with a gayed and trans military. Uh, we could still beat pretty much every country on this planet with our hands tied behind our back. Mm -hmm. And every other revolution seems to have failed fucking miserably. And the American Revolution just stands out as this this unique thing that it not only succeeded, it expanded to pretty much having the entire world under the dominion. So say what you will about the global American empire. It is impressive what it was able to achieve over the span so of 250 years. So there's a couple of things on that. I mean, I don't, I don't at all disagree you. Mm -hmm. um, I don't at all uh, uh, believe that you're incorrect in anything that you're saying. But um, there, are two, there are two things I usually take issue with. Number one is calling it a revolution. It wasn't so much a revolution as it was. I like the War of American Secession. I like that. Um, that's a mm -hmm. lot better because there was no sort of um, – uh, it wasn't so much a sort of a, a revolutionary new ideology, the, the sort of enlightenment p p nature of it. And this is something that um, a really good friend of, and mentor of mine, Christopher Sambach, has been working on getting into, getting into public discourse. Um, the idea that this, this whole enlightenment values bullshit didn't actually start being accepted as the reason uh, for America's independence so much en masse in the public eye until about the 1960s or 70s when you have the Tavistock Institute, which is a uh, group of people uh, interested, a group of scholars interested in group, group behavior and how to, uh, how to influence it. And so what they did, along with the hippie movement and other, the University of Chicago and all these sort of institutions we've started figuring out is the reason that Globo Homo happened, right? Which I, I'm, and a second thing, I much prefer the term Globo Homo to the global American empire because I do not believe it has been American since 1933. And so when everyone, I actually think gay, G-A-E, is actually not at all, not at all insignificantly affected by a, uh, by a psyop of these sides of things to sort of have you misnaming who the actual enemy is, what the actual problem is. This is, this empire is no more American than it is uh, British, than it is French. It's not, you know, at the end of the day, it's not, it's not national in that sense. Um, mm. And that's just, that's just a minor gripe that I, I've said many times. Um, but really the, the, the war of American secession was really in, in, in many ways, it was an attempt to, Ideologically, it was an attempt to reassert some of the um, uh, political traditions of the old Anglo-Saxon kings in the pre-Norman age, right? This sort of this sort of um, nation of independent yeoman farmers or equivalent who who uh, who took care of their land, who who cultivated their crops outside of the realm and uh, tithe to a sort of Oriental despot, in which many of the founders. Many of the founders, um, uh, many of the founders of the United States believed had been taken over by the, um, uh, by how how should I say, Norman influences. Norman mm -hmm. influences. They believe England had not been England uh, for for hundreds of years, uh, for almost a thousand Gosh. years, and and so they wanted not to that re far off reassert. In reality. Yeah, and so they wanted to reassert um, these Anglo-Saxon values of political independence of yeomanry of um uh, of independent freeholding farmers and this was one of the key aspects of the revolution um in addition this was a, america was almost sort of like it was like a second try at what england was supposed to be a uh, a sort of a free space where all of these people could come in and they could they could try to make 
um, they could try to make that sort of city on the hill, the new Jerusalem, right? And I'm not going to get into my theories about how uh, the, 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 the actual ethnic makeup of the, uh, was it the, the 12 tribes of Israel? Is it, was it 12 yes. or? Okay, yes. I, always, I always get iffy on the number. I always start <laughs> doubting myself. I, 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 anyway, I'm not going to get into those antediluvian theories about how Atlantis was actually real and, and, and all this <laughs> other stuff. But, um, uh, well, but regardless, we can get into that later. I'm always open to that, actually. But regardless, though, it's it, America, America. Uh, <laughs> it's it's really just a um, uh, it's a it's a means right to achieving this, which um, uh, this this sort of notion that started coming about in the English consciousness, uh, you know, at least as at least starting with Shakespeare, uh, but but going before that. Um, and that's in America is sort of the expression of that. So that's kind of that's kind of my uh, my little long diatribe in response to these to the to the framework you started to outline. No, I'm very glad actually that you brought those things up because a lot of that are especially the Atlantean thing, of course, are things I really wanted to get into coming into this. Uh, start with the I agree, the global American Empire. The only merit it has, in my opinion, actually, is just that it's funny, gay saying that on Twitter to uh progressives and that's about it a uh, global homo is incredibly more accurate uh so i don't actually disagree there and it mm-hmm. is so one of the things that really did stick out to me searching for why the american revolution succeeded and all the other ones failed is because you're completely on a mark it was not a revolution uh it was more of a it, it was more akin to the american civil war but successful in that you had a party tr- with very unique political rights compared mm-hmm. to the colonies that came after. The majority of the colonies in the Americas are really poorly titled in that it's very unfair to describe them as colony when some of them were even able to appoint their own governor. Mm-hmm. And then you look at colonies later on, like even up in Canada, and they were not afforded the same political liberties. So it's they're not colonies in the same sense that you know india was these were people with their own unique political rights that were very very loose under the british crown where the british crown served mostly to protect them from external threats and collect taxes and yes for the rest of it they had their own individual political makeup so this was prime grounds for them to try and secede because it would make sense that if you were someone on the ground there, you have very little influence from England. It makes very little sense to remain under that crown rather than maintaining your own uh, political structure over here in, you know, what would have been what's originally called at the time a uh, Nova Britannia, where what some pamphlets were calling it. And it, it was, it was, the name was up in the air. Um, the uh, most people just referred to it as America, like that's what it was called. But some people, you know, as Virginia was the first colony, some people just called it Virginia just to start off with referring specifically to the lands the British held. Because if you look at the original Virginia land grants, which are goddamn legally binding, right? <laughs> yeah, original, how does that make you feel? Original... You see the te- you see the territorial claim shrinking. Meanwhile, yeah. Israel grows in the Middle East. How does this make you feel? Yeah, it makes me feel very, very, very angry. But then again, Virginians have been running the entire United States from the beginning of the conception of the United States and the beginning of the conception of America until now. They continue to run it. Um, yes, yes, sadly, sad, very sadly. Florida's Florida is starting to come into the mix and change things, but you know, we'll see how that goes in the long run. Yeah, and well, you know, Florida, <laughs> Florida, Florida has not been largely inhabited for for a very long time. Or, uh, <laughs> Fucking hell! I wonder yeah. why. It's because it was it was a it was a swamp. It was a swamp that we didn't Still figure out how to. Fucking swamp, man! Still a fucking swamp. We we didn't we didn't figure out how to um uh, how to actually colonize it until um uh, until recently. How to get a lot of people living down there, but anyway, um, nobody wanted to. Yeah. Uh... But yes, these were so they had this very unique political makeup for something that we call a colony. Mm-hmm. So to call it a to call it a colony, to call it a revolution, these are all these misnomers that we've been running with for God knows how long, but they don't reflect the actual situation. So that's why I think you're completely on a mark that other revolutions fail because they're a revolution. The American Revolution was 
pretty much the farthest thing from that because it's not like they sailed over to London after, sailed up the Thames and burnt London to the ground and got rid of the king and put in their own king. Yeah. They broke away and started their own political unit. And then there were revolutions within the country after that were rightfully put down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were. Which is and- libertarians winch about, like, oh, the Shays Rebellion, oh, the Whiskey Rebellion, they fed, the, the, the fuck off. Yeah, so the the thing about that is, is it's like with them, uh, the Shays Rebellion and the Whiskey Rebellion were, um, uh, they're two of those things that kind of get mentioned in U.S. history class, and not a lot of people really, really understand the significance of them. But the Shays Rebellion and the Whiskey Rebellion, what they really were was this sort of almost, uh, damn near anarchic sentiment of um, a, of a land without taxes of a land without a, 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 a without federal rule um this you know many many of the areas of the colonies what had once up until that point been called the colonies actually kind of resembles this this anarchy that uh, libertarians will talk about as the as the ideal situation and the problem is is that um uh, is that that when that inevitably came in contact with conflict with the central government uh, coming in, uh, they they lost. They lost without really even a shot fired. I mean, all it took was George Washington personally leading an army, and um, uh, and both rebellions were more or less put down, right? Without without Naria shot fired and a and Naria single person arrested. Because here's the thing: this is this is the sort of wider point. Is it's like, well, anarchy for all of the freedoms, for all the boons of freedom it gives, and the boons of a lack of oversight. At the end of the day, it is a kind of it is chaos incarnate. That is in, that is the point of it, and and anarchy anarchy as a sort of goal is like saying youth as a goal is it's like well it's it, it it's it's only like it's only possible under a certain set of circumstances um, in a certain set of areas, and those sets of circumstances have so many negative consequences that you know if you were to bring about those sets of circumstances for uh, for quote unquote anarchy. The um uh, the consequences for it would render the whole thing uh, moot in the first place, and that's that's kind of what was what was found out with the with the Shays Rebellion and the Whiskey Rebellion is is these sort of these backcountry farmers, these free these freeholding farmers who did not want to be beholden to a federal government that was quote unquote just as bad as the king. Um, really, in any in any war, in any sort of uh, attempt at separation, you will have people who will fight thinking that they will be free of all governments, no matter which way or the other. And that's just not how it works because nature and politics abhors a vacuum and that vacuum will end up being filled one way or another. So that's kind of, that's why I am a, that's why I always have a, I have a problem with, and I, and I'm about to go to, for any of you listening, at least, uh, at least I don't know when, when Jay's going to post this, but I'm uh, I will be going to, I think revolution in my uh, in Orlando. Actually, I think it's being put on by oh, Young Americans God. for Liberty. It is. I'm yes. going. I'm going because a friend asked me to go, and he want he wanted he wanted me to go with him, and I wanted to help him out because he's got he's got some big things going. So it's like I will be talking to a lot of libertarians very soon. I a lot of young libertarians. You, I'm I'm I hoping. You know, I'm hoping I'm hoping my general charmingness and charisma and well-spoken nature and, and, and just and my good looks and all of that, my humility, most importantly, I think all of those are going to go towards uh, converting, <laughs> converting a lot of people, bringing a lot of people down on a lot of points. Um, but anyway, but yeah, it's, it's like, you know, the 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 American war for secession, the sort of this this thing that kind of comes out of this this uh, ether of all of these first men of the colonies, these great thinkers, these lawyers, these politicians, these representatives, these merchants, all sorts of people. And many of these men were like five or six of these at the same time. And they all came representing their different states, which were treated as sovereign and independent countries like any nation in Europe, right? Um, And this was observations made, you know, uh, New York and Pennsylvania were as different as France as, as France and Holland. They had different founding stocks. General, many state constitutions had state-established religions, had state-enforced religions on that state level. And they are called states because state is meant to refer to an independent and sovereign nation, right? And so that, that, and that was another issue that came up, especially with the uh, Articles of Confederation, uh, transitioning into the uh, into the Constitution, 
was um uh, well is this going to be a a sovereign uh is this going to be a confederacy of 13 sovereign states or is this going to be a uh federal government with um uh, with 13 individual municipalities because it's not like it, it's not like you know all of a sudden someone invented the concept of federal rule uh out of nowhere like this existed and this was very much hotly disputed because it would be like it would be like all of 13 states and that later then became the federal government of the of the United States um, this is another thing libertarians like to point out a lot. I'm, I'm, this is not the bashing libertarian show. I don't. I don't. Well, like it sort bashing. of is actually, but you know, we we. Well, I'll let you do that. Flow. I'll let you do that. All right, I'm not here to make libertarians my enemies. Right, I'm just trying to ensure that they they properly understand the situation and they'll they'll, they'll... they're like petulant children. You know, well, you be they'll... nice until you got to give them a smack, and then they listen. Well, they'll they'll get mad at things I I make when they point out von Mises or like pull out their 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 oh, human action and God. tell me and tell me that von Mises didn't say it and you know von Mises by the way was an Austrian Jew who hated America just so all of you know um, he didn't but, love fascism uh, though so well uh, no no have no, one uh, no comment <laughs> no comment um, but. Uh, but the point the point about this is is it's like this is a legitimate argument between whether these thirteen states were going to give up their sovereignty in order to become this uh, this unified concept, and this was hotly fought over and hotly debated over. But the point is is that the result from the, those thirteen states coming together would be like it'd be like if you have any European li- listeners like um uh, the EU becoming a de facto and de jure country in which you are not a citizen of Holland or France or whatever you are a citizen of Europe. Right. And even then, the sort of citizen of the United States concept was not solidified really until 1865. There was still a lot of wiggle room there, um, despite the fact that the Confederate States of America is the most centralized government that has ever existed on the North American continent. (laughs) Um, But, you know, what it really was, what it really was, was this American elite that lived and existed in America and governed in America Right. It was not the uh, colonial elite that really came from the British Isles that had their loyalties to the British Isles and they were just living in the colonies. This colonial elite, um, the, the, the American War of Secession was essentially this assertion of that colonial elite in contra the English elite, in contra the British elite. Um, and what really sort of separated the Anglophone world into these two parts forever defined as Anglo and American. And um, uh, that's kind of I, – I really think that there's almost something metaphysical to that. There's almost something something uh, be, beyond just the nature of politics and, and all of that that went into making that happen. Yeah, yeah. I, because that is, that is something very interesting that when you talk about the war session, you have to notice that there are, of course – elite at the top of this like i think that is also one of the things that really makes it stand out in comparison to say the french revolution which is just a chaotic mess of angry frenchmen doing what angry frenchmen do best not working and destroying their own country Mm -hmm. uh you compare that to people like washington jefferson uh, franklin hamilton the entire lot these are elite but they're Mm -hmm. not the british elite because you see who the British elite are. Yeah. They're the ones with the preferable titles in the colonies. They're the ones that have the nicest houses, that have government positions. They're being appointed by the British. These are Tory families that have set up, established yeah. their loyalty, and are very obviously English because they flee to Canada once the revolution is over because it's still English territory. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about a, a battle between two different elites in America to establish what is America. Uh, the new Americans that have found themselves in a better position are able to lead and the old British establishment that are still occupying the land. Yeah, I agree. And what really, it was this differentiation between, as you say, the Tory elite, uh, although I don't think the Tories, like the actual Tory party was in government at this time. Um, you have like, the no, I think old, it was Whig. Yeah. yeah the, the, it was the, it was the Whig dominance. Um, yep. But um, uh, or the Whig, the Whig supremacy, I think it was what it was called. Um, but, but um, uh, I, I don't, I don't know 
the right way to say it. I don't, I don't care one way or another. I, what I found out uh, studying, actually, I studied the Jacobite movement, and I actually posted a very long essay okay. about it on my Substack called uh, Two Britons Alike in Dignity." Um, what I learned in the Jacobite movement is number one, all sides suck. <laughs> That's generally how these things go. Um, but um, uh, but. <laughs> But the thing is with it is that um, it was it was a, a almost a homegrown elite, a different kind of elite. And many people would point out, many of the Evolian traditionalists would point out, oh, it was a it was a it was a mercantile elite. And in many ways it was, but you know, most of their money, most of the money made in the United States up until I don't know what year, but but for the majority, at least at least in the South, most of the money to be made in any industry of the United States was land speculation, right? So. You know, land is something I inherently tie to aristocracy. So, so mm-hmm. you know, you you have you have this sort of you have this 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 stock of almost bastard aristocrats. Some of them have the pretensions of coming from the gentry, which fills that niche between the lower nobility and the upper uh, the upper burgers the the merchant class right the gentry was this uniquely english concept of which it was like this gray area where one could go from merchant to noble if they got into the gentry and that that sort of concept is what um uh, like the squires almost is, is the best way to is the best way to think about it the aspirants and this concept is what sort of what was at the front of pretty much everyone's minds at least in the south and I'm of the opinion that the South is really just kind of the source of what the of what America is. This, if there is any one region that has defined America more than anything else, it has been the South, um, because the North the North isn't so much a region as it is a collection of cities with their respective hinterlands. Um, yeah, and and those cities are real places that have real feelings to them, but like they're they're cities, they're not regions. It's a it's almost a, a, a phenomenon like in Germany, in which they're in northern Germany, like the Hanseatic League, all the identity is with the cities. And in southern Germany, you have these large tracts of land like Bavaria and Swabia and all of that with 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 cities in them. But they're a part of the wider fabric. And that's that's the difference between the south and the north and America. If America is to be looked at as a region of the global understanding of the world, well, then that region has the most character that comes from the South, you know, even, even the various like Gen Z negrisms, you know, on God, you know, on God, no cap for real, for real, et cetera, all comes from ah, uh, yes. displaced Southern blacks, right. With their, anyway. Um, but, uh, but yeah. you know, this, this, this is the whole point I'm trying to get to is it's like, well, it was this difference between like this, this, almost stultified, uh, dead aristocracy. Evola would have hated the aristocracy of England at that point because it was dead, stultified, um, uh, you know, they, they buying their way into positions. Uh, it wasn't really based off of merit anymore. The gentry was almost a reassertion of this initial concept of aristocracy being the best men, the most willing, the most capable, the most courageous, the most, uh, 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 well-bred high caste right um Mm. in the sense of like um in the sense of like god-given abilities and means to train them like if you look at if you look at how america was settled like the 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 frontiersmen the settler in america needed to be good at everything they needed to be uh they need to know a little bit about first aid they need to know a little bit about forestry and building houses and you know hunting and killing and skinning and cooking animals and uh, sowing crops, they need to know a little bit of law to resolve disputes and to um uh, and to be responsible to the king and then later on the federal government. They they needed to have people skills to, in order to coordinate. You know, they all of these things. The American and this this gets into Frederick Jackson Turner's frontier thesis, but like the American needed to be a jack of all trades more or less all of them needed to be because every you know this is even at the point where this is why we started to let women and children have guns is because um uh, is because we quite literally needed every body that could pull a trigger you know women can pull a trigger they can't do it very well but they can pull a trigger <laughs> as can children um 
And um, uh, and that's the thing is it's like, well, yeah. if an, if if a native attack is happening, right? If the red men are descending upon your village with torches and war cries, right? If your wife is standing next to you with a fucking flintlock, you're not going to tell her to get back in the house <laughs> because you need you probably only have 30 people in that settlement. You don't know how many red men there are. So it's like, you know, and that's and that's where the sort of American frontiersman. This is not a feminist thing. This is like this is the people are going to misinterpret that as being a feminist statement. Oh, Paul Fahrenheit it's, supports it's, it's, women it's, doing men. <laughs> no, when you're when you're in the frontier, when you're settling a village, when you're carving civilization out of savagery, right? Out of savagery, you need literally everybody that is there doing something at more or less all times, right? That is what you know. That is how the transition works, right? And, 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 and that is the sort of, that is the concept, that is the, that is almost a, a Weltanschauung, the worldview that all Americas were born in. And many of, most of us still kind of, kind of see the world through, at least I don't, mm. so it's, 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 that's the point I'm trying to, that's the point I'm trying to get at with this is it's like America, America is a very, very, very unique concept. And it is a people. I, I, you know, hate to say this, but it's like, you know, America is anglos and adjacent right anglos and adjacent who settled before largely before the civil war right that is about that is what the quote-unquote american people is that is the american stock what we started to call old stock my family my family has been in virginia for i believe three to four hundred years um and you know I, they were well established even like you know decades before the revolution was kicked off and that ought to count for something that ought to mean something because this nation this le the legal continuity that is this nation currently began began with those people they were the ones who brought it into being right and everyone else came after this had been established and because everyone the whole world and the problem is is that america is kind of this just free for all ground for the world it's like it's like one big fucking pvp server that the whole world is currently is currently inhabiting, right? Well, even though that that's the case now, the only reason that we're stopping and we're asking the question, well, what even is America in the first place? And people are people are being able to make the claim that oh, America is this Charles V fucking Catholic theocracy, ultramontanism, whatever, <laughs> or or America is this like Basil II Orthodox country, or or or, or America. America is, 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 is this neo-pagan concept. And actually, you know what, that actually, that, that has some more bearing in reality. If you ever talk okay, to my, okay, my good okay. friend, calm, calm if, you, if you talk to my good friend, uh, you know, Zante, El, uh, El Zante Metaphysico on, on Twitter, he, uh, he talks a lot about the American, uh, the American mythos and the, uh, and that's all based around cryptids and all that. And America is what happens when you place the white Christian man in the wilderness. Um, but America is, America is a, anglo white nation that is what it is everyone else here like um uh, i forget who the character's name in the movie the good shepherd everyone else here is just visiting yeah yeah i it's it's a reality that people have a very hard time grappling with because sure you have regions of the country itself that yeah there might have been brown people there for uh, this maybe even 400 years, you know, Texas, uh, along the border, Arizona, New Mexico. Sure. But at the same time, also, those people were probably ruled by white Spaniards for most of that also. So it's more than an incorporation. And that I, that's where the extension of this being a European country does come in, in that the Anglos came in and stole land from every other European power holding it and mm -hmm. kicked them out and won. Because... Look, New York, one of the most essential cities in America, was New Amsterdam. And they sold it off. They got it from the Dutch for, uh, for peanuts after chasing them off with guns. Yeah. And they come in. They, uh, they rip off the French entirely. They kick the Spanish out of the country. All their old enemies are gone. Germans never had any fucking claim here except what, Pennsylvania. Well, well, well so, so not not – not in the sense that many people think, but Germans have been here since the beginning. You know, my mother's no. stock comes from the Germana Germans, who were the the first German settlers of Virginia, and then went largely went on to settle the northern Shenandoah Valley. Um, 
So there has been a sizable minority of German contingent here, whether oh, it be yeah. the, the Moravian, the Moravians up in um, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, but they're, they're, you know, Palatinate Rhinelanders out in the Shenandoah Valley and elsewhere. So, you know, there has been a sizable contingent, a minority of Germans. And for that, for, on the record on that, also Catholics have been here for, I know it pains you to admit but it. They're a funny, they've always been looked at as a funny minority. They were, there was, I don't know if it was, um, I'm trying to remember his name. There it was, whether it was the single Catholic signer of the, Declaration of Independence or the single uh, Catholic signer of the constant Charles Carroll, I know is his name. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to double check this because I want to, I want to make sure, but there was a Catholic signer of one of, of the founding documents of the United States. Um, yeah. He was, a, he, he signed the uh, Declaration of Independence. Yeah. He was the only Catholic signer of the Declaration of Independence. So, you know, there have been, there have been other, you know, minorities here for a very long time, and they have a, a contiguous story. But the problem is, is that from that, that has been taken and placed into the primary story. The minority has been made mm. into the most important thing by bioleninism, by Leninism, that was, as was first performed in the 60s with the Ellis Island fraternity, uh, with the Irish and the Italians uh, organized vis-a-vis the Jesuits in order to overthrow the WASP supremacy. I hate the Jesuits. I hate the Jesuits. <laughs> Every, uh, everyone does. Uh, even even all my Catholic friends hate the Jesuits. They, they, they destroyed this country and took over its government, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, yeah, they but, get their own parentheses, by the way. It's the uh, the yeah. square brackets. Is that well, but, parentheses? Well, so, so here's the funny thing about the parentheses thing. Who do you think they teamed up with to take over the country? <laughs> of course. That's why they get their own parentheses, man. <laughs> we, we literally call it the double J alliance for that reason. <laughs> But um, uh, but anyway, I mean, w- w- oh, I when guess I get to- baptized, I should make my shtick Jesuit. <laughs> God Almighty, that's a good one. That's um, but I guess, I guess, sort of to sort of like make a one single unequivocal statement as to what America is metaphysically. America is metaphysically the city on the hill. It's what it's been known as since the beginning. It's what it will always be known as. It is the city on the hill. Yeah. It's it's an impossible thing to avoid when you discuss it because when you look at even the reasons people first came here, like you mentioned, you know, for those that wanted to come here to sort of uh, revive the Anglo-Saxon monarchy, because it, it, it it's it's also very hard to divide this era of America with the England that preceded it for the hundred years before, and that England was dead. Because you're talking about the original line of monarchy going back to the Norman invasion was gone, mm-hmm. killed off by Oliver Cromwell. Uh, the monarchy, it comes back, but it doesn't actually really come back because you're just watching this slow decay of a monarchic office as the parliament takes more control. Uh, it's, it's really it's it's nothing what it was under the Plantagenet. It was nothing on, like it was under the original Tudors or none of that. It's. It's a completely different institution by this point. Yeah. So for you know, those people coming there, uh, the Puritans coming in after the uh, protectorate is kicked out. Uh, fuck Puritans, by the way. But I mean, you know, my my, my friend Christopher Sandbach would would tell you that the populists are the real Puritans. He's a contrarian like that. Um, <laughs> but um, but no, I mean, that's a disgusting yeah, statement. Well, that I mean, he terrible. he he has means of backing it up. He says these things because he likes he likes going into these long arguments backing up everything he says um, I, I wouldn't even argue it it's just it's just it's something nasty to hear anytime puritans are mentioned it's a it's a nasty sentence well well and here's the thing right like this sort of this sort of puritan conception this isn't new right none of this is new no. like 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 everyone who wasn't a new englander was calling the new englanders puritans and the new englanders were calling themselves puritans right as like a <laughs> As like the same way that um uh, that a certain group of people calls themselves that certain group of people because it's like a f you to the rest of the world like you are not us, um, when in reality uh, neither of them are what they say they are. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, <sighs> yeah, that part is just that that that's weird Christian history right there. Like getting yeah. into the brownness and all that because the Puritans aren't actually a real group. It's a bunch of different little Christian sects that all take just a uh, 
they, they, they got a weird theology. That's pretty much the best way to say it. So sex is evil. That's not something. I got French heritage. I got Argentinian heritage. That's not something I'm ever going to believe in my life. Yeah, that's that. Oh yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> I'm 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 not gonna I'm not gonna say anything to be sure. Um, but yeah, no, I I agree with you. Um, that this is there's a lot of like uh, there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to um uh, when it comes to this sort of stuff. But that's sort of that's sort of my whole point is is just that America is the city on the hill, and the city on a hill transcends any single denomination trying to say it's one way or another. Yeah, it's it, it's very an experiment to try and nail down anything besides that to what America is like. Say you are because everybody and here's the thing about America. That's really another sign that's special. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to claim that it's their thing. You always see with every group they want to claim they want to make America their own and mm-hmm. not just in taking power. They want to ideologically as an idea, they want to make America their own. So yeah. everyone is always trying to define what America is. So, you know, Rothbard, which with the way libertarians treat him, might as well say peace be upon him after his name. Uh, <laughs> he, he goes through a whole revisionist history of explaining why the American Revolution is a libertarian revolution and why that's a good thing. And you get other people that say uh, the founding fathers were a conservative revolution and they don't mean it in the – way that like you would put it that this was Yao Men trying to bring back a pre-Norman England they're just like oh wow they were conservative everybody's trying to make it their own thing it's, it was a progressive revolution it was a co- fucking communist revolution I don't know everybody everybody wants to come in and say that the American Revolution was their pet project and this is what America is and this is what it's supposed to be and it's not because you're all shitheads and you should have listened to me yeah, you know what? In essence, yeah, that's it. You've pretty it's much got it right. Down. I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's that hard to nail down. I think actually that it's uh it's, yeah it's because what you I, because you have it succinctly, and yeah, it's something it's, that can actually be historically backed up because you see this in the writing. I mean, when people write of it in the day when they're coming sailing from England to come here, this is what they're describing it as. This is what from the beginning people saw it as. But now that we're sitting 250 years away from it, we've been through, you know, as Yarvin would put it, four or five iterations of the Republic because there have been shifts and changes in the government. I know you have your opinions, but uh, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> yeah, and I have my I have my opinions of BAP. So, you know, we're uh, we're we're at each other here. <laughs> you know, it's one for one. Uh, but th- there have been radical shifts in how the government has been structured. So governmentally. It has changed. So people are always trying to figure out what it is based off the last thing that they experienced. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, for a lot of people, America started on 9-11. And now we're going to be seeing <laughs> a lot of people where America started on COVID because they can only think back so far because, God bless them, these people are not meant to be political animals. Uh, they yeah. need to be ruled. Yeah, and so. I know what you mean. I know what you mean with that. And Yeah, I mean, I guess – I don't think there's anything really I can agree I can disagree with there. I mean, um, uh, that's that's just what America is, and at the end of the day, it's it's the question as to whether America ought to continue being what it is, or whether America ought to be made into something else. And you know, that's that's I think that's a battle that needs to be fought a long time in the future because we've we've got to like save the world from you know being turned into being turned into a pod bug all that before we even get into that yeah yeah there's very uh, that, that's the issue with how global homo was turned out and so like you were saying earlier like global american empire is not really the best way to put it because that would imply solving this problem i think america has a very big hand in the problem just because this is the leader of the world it's it's at the top mm-hmm. so if you solve the problems in america yeah it's gonna ripple throughout the world but we're looking at a point where the elite are not just centered here because take europe for example Mm -hmm. the irish spend 800 years resisting the british and then capitulate to brussels in 60 years uh (laughs) there's something there's something bigger at play here yeah uh there are a lot of different elites that i want to say someone like klaus schwab i think he's just uh, a mark Mm -hmm. to sort of get out there and say things there's deeper things at play here of people that from all over want to instill this order 
and that have to be dealt with first. So to keep steak on my table mm-hmm. is uh, it's probably one of the most important things because the day that a man cannot have a steak anymore and has to replace it with uh, Beyond Meat and like lotus paste or whatever. I don't know what the fuck these people are making these days. Yeah. That's a yeah. very that's a very important thing. Again, the seed oil out of food. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned that because um uh it's funny you mentioned that because like every time I go to a restaurant, um whenever I'm in doubt between like, oh, should I get the steak because it's too expensive, I always at this point I've always made it a point to get the steak because I don't know how long in the future I will be able to have steak. You know, I will be able to have mm. steak readily available to me. And it's like, well, enjoy it now when you have it. Because yeah. no matter what we do, I think, I think the elites will make it such that at least, you know, as, as time goes past, uh, it will be almost impossible for us to um, uh, consume steak on a regular, on a regular basis. It, it is definitely getting there. As someone who makes steak uh, two to three times a week, it is not a cheap uh, endeavor. Yeah. And it is, it's, so I also, I drive a used German luxury car, so gas prices have hit me very hard. And so it's like, <laughs> it's like, it, it's getting ass fucked on both fronts because mm-hmm. I got to go to the gas station, see those prices. And then I got to go to the market and see what the fuck they're charging me for a ribeye this week. And it's like, you're killing me. You're fucking killing me. But I'm not changing either of those things. I will not stop driving used German luxury cars because they are fucking comfortable I will not stop eating steak until it is literally impossible for me not to spend a year's income on eating it. Oh yeah. So that's just how it's gonna fucking go. Yeah. That's how it's gonna fucking go. It is how it's gonna go. Um. Uh, well, uh, I'll. I'll yeah. No, I'll just I'll just tell you what, man. I mean, it's it's like it is. I'm optimistic. I think that um, uh, what we are right now, as long as we keep acting, as long as we keep doing what we've been doing in the future, um, or. Yeah, what we've been doing in the future, I think things are going to go fine for us. We'll at least have a fighting chance. It's just like now that things are happening, we need to like, we need to, we need to be doubling our efforts. We need to be going to more meetings. We need to be meeting more people in real life. We need to be doing more things in real life. And if you live in America, you need to be doing these things almost doubly so as the Europeans do, because this is the place. America is the place where uh, all of this will be saved, because no one else can, nowhere else can save it other than America. Nowhere else no, has the is. power. Nowhere else no. has the uh, has the will, right? Say what you will about these elites. Something something is really jarring when um, when they think that Middle America, just random white uh, Anglo sensibility farm boys from the Midwest, are their largest threat, and they're trying to ban guns and they're trying to do all this other stuff. They're failing to ban guns, I guess, but but um, uh, you know, if 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 guns were um. Uh, if guns were, if we were incapable of resisting our overlords with um, uh, firearms and body armor, why would they try to be? Why would they try try to be banning um, guns and firearms? All of that, yeah. Guns and and uh, body armor. I'm I'm fucking retarded right now. I can't I can't speak. <laughs> it's fine, man. I feel that. Yeah, no, it's it's. I mean, that's that's why revolutions are such an interesting topic to me because this is, and you know. This also harkens uh, to the piece that you wrote recently on Substack, which was a very good piece. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I – because I could see things going either that way or more the Soviet Union way in which things just slowly collapse and polarize. I So I'm not going to put any bets on anything. I give both ideas a very good chance of happening. Mm-hmm. But I think the study of – War, the study of revolution, the study mm-hmm. of history is something very important because one of the things is a lot of people own firearms, don't know how to use a firearm. Uh, you are going to die when the bullets start flying. Oh, yeah. That, that or you'll learn really quickly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, people need to stop following because I'm, I don't know how involved you are in the gun community. I'm very much deep into it there's people that need to stop following fads and just and i'm guilty of this need to go train mm-hmm. uh but it is it, it's funny when you see because it's one thing that the progressive goes oh well we need common sense gun control and then you have to watch them justify how the uh i don't even know what the fuck they call this demon running new york now 
wants to ban body armor because some glowing federal agent shot up a supermarket and people on the ground have to go and defend this that no 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 yeah actually you're gonna you're gonna kill a lot of people with level four ceramic plates you can't do this that's yeah no you're you're not at all wrong it's uh, it, it is a little actually what's the opposite of disheartening i guess hardening yeah it it, it is um uh... uh hardening to see that we're that the supreme court is actually good for something yeah. over the last 14 years and has actually come out for gun owners which is mm-hmm. a surprising w that i will very gladly take and not think twice about because uh I don't want to get into legal autistry mm-hmm. there, but it is a pleasant surprise seeing this. Oh, yeah, no, it, for sure. Almost certainly. Yeah. But it is, it, it's an important thing to study because there's a very good chance that the bullets will start flying somewhere in the coming decades. And it might not even be because there's a war. It just might be that shit turns so sideways and we're in such a position of anarcho-tyranny where walking out of your house to do any task is a dangerous mission and you need to know what the hell you're doing. And oh, this yeah. could very quickly devolve into something where if there are people, because I don't, I don't care about reaching the majority of people anymore. I want to awaken those people that have the tendency to be a more elite person and can lead certain things. I want them looking into these things. I want them learning these things and being able that if this shit hits the fan situation comes around, they're able to step up and do something good instead of getting shot in the fucking head by blue helmets. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's... Yeah, that is... Man, that took a fucking turn real quick. <laughs> fucking turn real... Uh, I don't know, man. I welcome the UN coming to this country. Uh, I don't. I really love to see them try. I, I don't think. I, mean, I don't think they exist as something to. Um. Uh, I just don't think that. Um. Uh, that that it's something that they will. Uh, that they will even <laughs> exist to do. No, no. It. If things get so bad in this country to a point where there is an actual civil war going on, there is no more United Nations. Oh yeah, it will. It will There's dissipate. No and I kind of. Uh, and I kind of. Uh, that's one of the things I predicted in my two articles. That's one of the things I'm waiting for, man. Imagine a day where there's no more fucking United Nations. You'll be you'll be too busy dealing with the fact that you don't have food in your stomach. You know what? That is a price I am ready to pay. Uh, sure about that? Not... No. Uh, that's why I want to get... <laughs> Gotta get intermittent fasting. Gotta see how that works. That might be, uh... that might be good. I wouldn't... Uh, I wouldn't I know. Like, if anyone in this audience is a little bit chubby right now, all right... I'll just tell you this, right? Obviously try to lose weight now, but like, you know, if you if you if you're if you're a fat ass who can't get off your ass and can't fucking do the bare minimum necessity of being a man and, you know, work yourself every now and again, like fucking two ACW and food shortages will fucking do it for you. That's for certain. <laughs> it is it is a great diet, man. Uh look at Africans. You don't see a fat African, so yeah, well, I mean, well, I don't know about <laughs> well, that. <laughs> they are metaphysically not Africans anymore. They are just melanated. Yeah, that's true. Actually, you know what? Metaphysically speaking, these might be. Uh... <laughs> hey, man, I have said so a couple months ago, uh, this show. Now that I'm done with Slurp Gang, I'm able to focus entirely on this show, but mm-hmm. this was, uh, they had months in between. And I had Pete on for the first return of the, this show the last time around. And we said, we got up to some crazy shit during that episode. There is no such thing as a filter when you exist around me. Uh, so with that, I want to say that, you know what, they actually might metaphysically be African if you consider the savagery. <laughs> I'm not gonna touch that with a 15 foot pole. <laughs> I go all fucking night. I mean, shit, man. Did you see the video from that fry place in New York City, uh, like last week? No, I don't think so. Are you talking about the guy who got uh the the bodega worker who got shot? Or are you talking about no, else? no? So this 
No, this was a different one. This was like a, a place that sold sold French fries in Manhattan. It was like Saturday night, and they charge extra for the sauce. So these um, fine, upstanding, young, melanated women wanted extra hot sauce for their French fries. And you can imagine what happened when they were told that it cost extra. So there, I think one of the workers went to the hospital. <laughs> so I just... You know, metaphysically speaking, there might be something here. I don't know. It could be something. Uh, so, but there are topics we didn't get to cover. So I guess I will have to have you back on either for this topic or another one. I don't know, man. Uh, I'm going to decide when I listen back to this because this was an interesting ride. Yes. You are always, you are always a very interesting person to talk to because I have no idea where the hell you're going to go with something. <laughs> and I just let you go with it. That is the Thomas 777 influence. Uh, right yeah. there you are truly his protege yeah so, i was i was trained by the best i like to think so you definitely were so we will i will definitely be having you back on i will see if it's for this or for some other crazy ass topic that i think of uh we'll see how it goes but thank you so much paul for coming on so why don't you tell us where we can find you oh of course well you can find my writing and my podcast uh my podcast is paid my writing is free to everyone i actually have a couple free episodes on my podcast uh if you want to dip your toes in the water you can find all of that at paul fahrenheit that's f-a-h-r-e-n-h-e-i-d-t dot substack dot com um you can also find me on twitter at calf king paul um and I mean, other than that, I think you, you can find you, I have a Tgram channel, but I haven't posted the link for it, but it's called Hotel Fahrenheit. Um, and, you know, you can find me writing other people's coattails pretty much everywhere I go. All right. And before we let you go, Paul, I got to ask you, what's your favorite band? Um, well, you see, it depends on, on uh, if we're just talking like, you know, classic rock, it's probably between Rush or Steely Dan. I'm surprised you're not a libertarian, and I'll leave it at that. 